Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Carlos. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or, what's that next word? Serve. Say it like you mean it. Serve. Serve them. You can have a seat now at all of our campuses. You know, if you know me, I am a huge sports fan. And from a young age, as a little boy, I have loved the game of basketball. And since I was six years old, I was a huge fan of Michael Jordan. How many MJ fans make some noise? Yeah. I still think he's the greatest of all time, but we're not going to debate that today. We're not going to debate that now. And as a little boy, I knew all the information about Michael Jordan, his bio. He was 6'6", shooting guard from the Chicago Bulls. I even knew his birthday is on February 17. If you went to my room, it was filled with posters of MJ. I saw him when he won the title in 91, in 92, 93, and then he won the title in 96, 97, and 98. There were some good times, right? How many MJ fans? There were good, good times back then. But folks, when MJ retired, he would write a book about his life. And I want to share an interesting story about a story that he writes about in that book. Because he was hanging out with his buddies and he was at his friend's house. And they're about to go to dinner to the city, Chicago. And it was a cold night. So Michael Jordan would ask his friend, hey, can I borrow a jacket? So his friend said, of course, just go to my room open up the closet and grab whichever jacket you like. So MJ goes to his buddy's house. He opens up the closet. But folks, not only does he take one jacket, but he would begin to take all of his friends' jackets. He begins just to take them, each and every single one of them. And so folks, he would bring the jackets to his friends' And they were in the living room, and he threw a multitude of jackets and put them on the floor, just like that. And his friends is like, what is going wrong with MJ? Has he lost his mind? Folks, Michael Jordan would go to his friend's kitchen, and he would grab a butcher knife, and he would take every single jacket, and he would begin to cut it and destroy it. These people thought that he had lost his mind. But finally, his friend noticed that all of the jackets were a competitor to MJ's brand. See, Michael Jordan's brand was Nike. And the jackets were Adidas or Fila, Puma, all these other brands that were not Nike. And he was destroying each and every single one of them. Michael Jordan calls his agent, grabs his cell phone, calls his agent and says, I need you to replace every single jacket with my brand." With Nike. Folks, at that moment, MJ would look at his friend and he would tell him, don't you ever let me see you wearing something that's not my brand. You can ride the fence with me. You see, Michael Jordan was not only obsessed 
with being the greatest of all time basketball player. But Michael Jordan was also obsessed with having the greatest of all time brand. And at that moment, this good thing of having a business, a brand, was no longer just a business. It had become an idol. It had become the ultimate thing in his life to the point that it controlled his thoughts. It controlled his emotions, his actions, to the point that he is destroying his friend's jacket. Now, let me bring that over to our teaching for today. Because this is a picture of our life when we take a good thing and it becomes the ultimate thing and it is an idol in our life. Sure, none of us are cutting someone's jacket, doing anything like that. But folks, we may take good things in life like a hobby, like a career, like a relationship, and it becomes the ultimate thing in our life. And it controls our emotions. It controls our thoughts, our affections, our actions, and it becomes an idol in our life. And here's the big idea for today. Here's our proposition for this weekend. You wreck your life when you allow idols to exist in your hearts. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, what exactly is an idol? What do you mean by that? And how can I get rid of these idols in my life? How can I get rid of these idols in my heart? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Exodus chapter 20. If you have your listening guides, we want to encourage you to take notes. We love to take notes here. Here's the first point that I want you to write down today. We are all predisposed to have idols in our life. We are all predisposed to have idols in our life. Here's what the Word of God says in Exodus 20, verse 4 and 5. Here's the commandments. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. Now, notice how the commandment that God gives us is to not make an image or a statue of himself. Why? Because God knows, first of all, that no image or statue can ever describe the infinite, perfect God. And God knows that if we were to create a statue or an image of God, we would begin to worship and bow down that image rather than God himself. Now, in this context, God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses as the Israelites had just left Egypt. They were slaves for about 400 years, and they were getting ready to go into the promised land. But if you ever study Egyptian culture, idol worship was pervasive. It was prevalent in that culture. The Egyptians had idols, gods for everything. Earth, sky, water, love, sex, everything. And so idol worship was pervasive in Egypt. This was an issue that you see throughout the Old Testament and idol worship was also pervasive in the New Testament. See, Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he lived in a Greco-Roman society. And in Rome, any Roman city that you would go to, whenever you would go visit those cities, it was very common to have a shrine or a statue of an idol. For example, it was very common to see an idol or a statue for the god Zeus, which was the god of power. It was very common to see a statue or an idol for Aphrodite, 
the goddess of beauty and love, or the goddess Venus, the god of sex, or the god of mammon, which was the god of wealth. This was very, very common. And so you may be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I get all of that, and I know some of that, but the truth of the matter is I don't struggle with idols. I don't bow down and worship a statue. I'm not worshiping Zeus or Venus or Mammon or Aphrodite. I don't struggle with that. See, folks, make no mistake. As pervasive as idolatry, idol worship was in Egypt in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it's just as pervasive and common in our culture today. In our culture today, because here's what I want you to understand. Because although, bring back that image, please. Although the images, bring back the past, although the images have changed, the issues are the same. Come on, a couple people got this. Although the images have changed, the issues are the same. Worship power, success, title, position, beauty, love, sex, wealth. And it becomes our idol are everything. In fact, write this down as your next point because this is the definition of an idol. An idol is anything we love, trust, or find our satisfaction in place of God. Anything or anyone that's not God that has become fundamental in our satisfaction, in our purpose, in our identity, in our calling, in our mission, in our love, our happiness, our joy, that is an idol. Which is why the Bible says in Exodus 20, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of what? Of what? Anything. Say it like you mean it. Anything. Here's why. Our hearts, write this down as your next point, are idol factories. Here's what the Word of God says in Romans 1. Verse 25, the Apostle Paul writes the following, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Here's what I know, whether you have been following Jesus for a long time or you don't follow Jesus at all, we all worship something. We either worship the creator who created everything we see and enjoy God himself, or we worship created things. We either worship the blesser or the blessing, but we're worshiping something. And sometimes we allow these idols to creep into our life. And here's the big issue that behind every sin that we fall into, every struggle that we face, every problem that we go through in life, the root cause of that is idolatry. In fact, Martin Luther great theologian in the 16th century, he said this about this commandment. You cannot violate the other nine commandments without breaking this one first. What does he mean by that? What exactly does that mean? In other words, the reason why you violate and you break the commandment of do not lie is because your image has become an idol. And you have to portray something that is not true or protect that image so it leads you to lie. The reason why you break that commandment of not, do not covet and you want what your neighbor has is because material things have become an idol and Jesus is no longer enough. 
And so very easily we can have these idols creep into our hearts and they are the root cause of every single sin or struggle that we face in life. You know, in 2006, I had graduated from FIU and I was 22 years old and I had gone to school there for four years right after high school. I didn't take any breaks and school was very, very tough for me and I put a lot of time and effort and energy. And so what I did is I wanted to reward myself. When I graduated, I'm like, I'm gonna reward myself. And so I decided to buy a brand new car. I had never experienced driving a brand new car. And I said, I'm gonna go big or go home. So I went to the Lexus dealership and I leased an IS250 Lexus with all the gadgets, fully loaded. I mean, the beautiful rims, leather seats. Not only did it warm your seats, it cools your seats off. It was amazing, sunroof, beautiful car. Guess what happens when I purchased this vehicle? Every single Friday, when I would get home from work around 5.36, I would spend two hours washing this car, detailing every angle, putting the tire shine on the tires, cleaning the rims every single Friday. I was ready to go out. My friends would come to my car. Don't you bring that water inside my car. You can't even breathe in here. When I would park the car, I would park it far away from everyone else. The furthest away. I promise I never took two spots, okay? I wasn't that guy. I became all about that car. It consumed my mind, my thoughts, my affections, my energy, my emotions. Everything was about that car. And it, there came a point in my life that I realized that vehicle had become an idol. And it had taken the place of God. Because a good thing, when it becomes the ultimate thing, it becomes now a destructive thing because it has taken the place of God. And now all of my sacrifice, all of my time, all of my money, my wallet was going on this car rather than me serving and worshiping God Almighty. And so an idol, when a good thing, write this down as your next point, when a good thing becomes the ultimate thing, it now has become a destructive thing. And here's a dangerous thing about this. Because idols could be good things, oftentimes they can be difficult to detect, which is why the Bible says God tells the leaders, the elders of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 3, these men have set up idols in their what? Say it like you mean it, in their what? Hearts. You see, these elders, these righteous people, these leaders, these pastors were probably thinking of, God, what are you talking about? I don't worship statu a statue. I'm not worshiping an idol. But there were some idols that were creeping into these men of God right in their hearts. And they can be creeping into our life and we don't even realize it. But here's what we need to do. We need to identify. Today we're going to identify. Say with me, identify. identify. Say like you mean it, identify. identify. Identify the idols in your life. And here's how you do it. Ask yourself diagnostic questions. There needs to come a point in your life that you need to be honest, truthful, and real. And ask yourself the questions, the tough questions that no one but you knows the answer to. In fact, I want to give us three questions that I think can help you decipher, 
identify what are these idols that you're dealing with. I'm going to ask you these questions and don't answer them out loud, you know. It's just between you and God, you can answer them in your mind. But here's question number one. I will finally be happy when fill in the blank. Or I will finally be complete when fill in the blank. When you ask yourself these questions, what comes to your mind? Whatever you thought of perhaps is an idol for you in your life. Maybe you're a single person. Maybe you feel empty and alone. And maybe for you it's whenever I find the love of my life, whenever I get married and I find Mr. and Mrs. Wright, that's going to be the time that I'll finally feel happiness. That is the time that I'm finally going to feel complete. Love and relationship has become an idol because it is a good thing to find the right good person and get married. But what you're saying is that your joy and your satisfaction is not coming from God. Jesus is not enough, and you need to find it in someone else. Maybe for you, it's your career. Whenever I land that job or get the promotion or I get a raise in my job, that's the moment that I'm going to feel fulfillment and happiness and joy and satisfaction. Ask yourself a question. That's probably your idol. Question number two. Excluding my mortgage, excluding your rents, I spend more money on blank than anything else. Jesus says in Matthew 6, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. In other words, there is a connection with what you spend money on with your heart. If you were to look at your bank statement, just you look at it, where is your money going to? Maybe you're a guy, you're a dude, and all your money is going to all your toys, all your hobbies. Bass Pro Shop, the fishing gear, the sporting, sporting clothing, golf clubs, biking, cycling, season tickets. All these things are good things. But when they become the ultimate thing, they now become a destructive thing. Not only is it destroying your relationship with God, but it can be destroying your relationship with your wife because you're always arguing about you spending too much money and could be destroying your relationship with your children because it's pulling you away from your children and your family, your wife. Or maybe for you, ladies, you don't get a hall pass here. It's shopping. Some guys are saying amen. When you look at your statement, it is Nordstrom, Steve Madden, Coach, Gucci, all the other stores. You have 39 purses, but you need to get that other purse because someone posted it on social media. I got to get that purse now. Honey, did you see that? I got to get that purse. Shopping isn't bad, but when you keep on using that Amex and you're spending more and more and you're getting more and more in debt, it has become an idol. Your image has become an idol and it's taken priority over God. Here's the next question. Blank keeps me from attending church. Think about this. Blank keeps me from attending church. Maybe it's that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that relationship, that job. 
You know what I'm so thankful about Christ Fellowship? If you have something to do on Sunday, you can come to church on Saturday night. Two locations. There's no excuse. And if you have something to do on Saturday night, you can come to church on Sunday. Three loca- uh, six locations, multi- multitude of, of services. So there's no excuse. Can I be honest with you? I'm a parent, but parents, if your kids soccer or ballet or dance or football is keeping you away from church, I just say this with love and, 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 and humility. Like, can I be honest with you? What you are communicating to your children is that soccer is first in your life. What you are communicating to your children is that your daughter's dance rehearsal is priority over worshiping with other believers. See how this works? Little by little, these idols begin to creep in, and that's why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.25, do not believe the lie. You believe the lie, and you exchange it for the truth of God. You either worship the blesser or you're worshiping the blessing. You know, a family here in our church, they told us a story. They had been following God for a long time, and they were faithful to coming to church, and God had blessed them with the boats. And so guess what happened? On the weekends, little by little, one weekend they would come to church and serve. Then the following weekend they would go on the boat. One weekend they would come to church, and the following weekend they would go on the boat. But little by little, they started going on the boat more and more and more and stopped attending church. Something happened in their family, in their home, and they realized that boat, that blessing has become a barrier in my relationship with Christ, and now it is an idol. And they got rid of that idol, and they now come to church every single weekend, and they serve faithfully because they realize this is taking priority over my relationship with God. Realize that you serve your idol Whatever your idol is, you're serving that idol. Going back to my story in 2006, the car was supposed to serve me. The purpose of a vehicle is to take me from one location to another location, from one place to another place. It's supposed to serve me. I was serving the car because I was a slave to that vehicle every single Friday for two hours. I was serving that car. I was bowing down and serving it every single week. It consumed everything. Whatever your idol is, you are serving that thing or that person. Realize your idols are temporal. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, everything that we own now, everything that we enjoy, one day will no longer exist. Maybe for you, you're longing to buy a brand new beautiful home. And maybe that is your dream, that's your desire to buy this beautiful dream home. And maybe you're thinking, once I get that beautiful home, there's gonna be peace and love and joy in my family. That home with the two-car garage, the front patio, the back patio, the pool, the huge closet for all your purses and all your shoes. 
the laundry room. Whenever I get that home, everything is going to feel complete. Folks, years from now, whether in our lifetime, maybe our children will be the one that witnesses this, or our grandchildren, that beautiful home will just become a shack. That beautiful home that you dreamed of, one day a developer is going to be destroying that home and building a new one. Maybe one that floats in the air, I don't know. <laughs> but it's going to be destroyed. Maybe for you, your body, you desire to be healthy, you want to be fit, and it's all about how you feel and look, and you want to be like that, like Arnold. Fit, keto diet, and plant-based diet, and spinach, and broccoli, quinoa, avocado, CrossFit, LA Fitness, all these gyms. And your body, that, that's a good thing. You should be healthy. You should eat well. But it becomes the ultimate thing. It has consumed your entire life. That body, as amazing as it is, one day is going to decay little by little. <laughs> I, I had to. I had to. He's, he's still in good shape. He's in better shape than, than me, so he's still in good shape. <laughs> For that. It doesn't matter how much keto you do, how much plant-based diet you do, little by little, our bodies will decay. Think about this. We don't look at a junkyard, give me a junkyard picture, and think, oh, that was someone's idol. Somebody worked hard for this car. Someone worked two jobs and overtime for this car. Someone sacrificed their children for this car because they had an image idol. No. What do we say? That's a piece of junk. You see, when you start getting the right perspective that all these things in this world that we chase are idols and they will go away, but the only one that doesn't go away is God Almighty, the one who created you, the one who gave you purpose, the one who gave you an identity and a mission and a calling. It changes your way. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you exchange the truth for a lie. You exchange the truth for a lie. You are believing the lies that these idols promise you. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? But we do that all the time. We start worshiping creative things rather than the creator. We start worshiping the blessing rather than the blesser. And it becomes ultimate in our life. So maybe you're thinking, Pastor Carlos, I got some idols that I got to get rid of. What do I do? What's my next step? Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. Remove and replace the idols in your life. Remove and replace the idols in your life. It's not just enough to remove an idol that you're dealing with. You got to replace it with God. Because if you just remove it, because our hearts are idol factories, another idol will come in. You know, there was this young man that I was mentoring, and he struggled with pornography. He had that addiction, that idol. And I was praying for him, and we hold him accountable. And he came to me one day, and he said, Pastor Carlos, Pastor Carlos, I was able to get rid of, I was able to remove that idol in my life. So I asked him, hey, bro, what you do? He goes, I started playing video games. 
I'm like, no, 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 you're missing it. I mean, that, that's better, but you're missing it. Because now video games has become his idol. See, if we remove it, and just remove it, another idol will creep in into our life, into our heart. But we replace it with God. And how do we do that? Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. You know, we tell you all the time, Matthew chapter 28 says, go therefore and tell others about Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the great commission, and we should do that. But there's something powerful as a believer when you preach the gospel to yourself. When you wake up in the morning, and you wake up and you say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, and you resurrected from the grave. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm a son or a daughter of the king. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Jesus, only in you I can find peace, satisfaction, value, mercy, grace, all these things. Only in you, Jesus, comfort. You are my provider. You are my future. You know, we all struggle with having idols in our life. And can I be honest with you? I want to share a story with you because as pastors, we are also sinners saved by grace. And I told you that in 2006, I drove a Lexus that was 2006. Well, now I drive a 2006 Toyota Corolla. And so there's a picture right there. It's okay to do it when you're in 2006, but now it's 2019. So it's a little old. It's old. So the other day, um, I was coming out of a meeting with, at the Baptist Hospital, and I had valeted my car. And I was having a conversation with these executives from the hospital and from different companies. And it was a meeting, a community meeting. And so as we were walking now, the, the executive that I'm talking to, we both give our ticket to the person uh, working in the valet booth. And so as we're having the conversation, I see that his car is making the way towards us. And it's this brand new, beautiful BMW with all, you know, fully loaded, making its way. But right behind that was my Toyota Corolla. Can I be honest with you? I was embarrassed. I wanted to tell that guy, hey, bro, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. I wanted to hide. I wanted to run. So we say bye to each other, and he goes into his car. The doors automatically open. You smell the new car scent. Then I'm going to my car, I'm struggling, opening the door. I'm like, oh my gosh, open, open. Hope it works. Hey, bye, yeah, bye, bye, yeah, yeah. Everybody is watching us. And on my way home, I thought to myself, God convicted me. He said, are you serious? Are you serious, Carlos, that you're going to allow a car to give you value in life? To give you significance, to give you purpose, you are a son of the king. You worship me, the creator, not created things, not things that will go away, but you worship me because a car, a position, a career, school, education is not what I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship the almighty God. He deserves the worship. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because I want to end with this verse. 
and maybe you have been struggling with some idols in your life, here's the good news. Even when you're faithless, God is faithful. And when you study the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, the people of God would put idols, but God would forgive them. Put idols and God would forgive them because God is faithful. And here's what the Word of God says in Psalm 86, 5. Oh, Lord. Say with me. Oh, Lord. You are so good. Say it like you mean it. You are so good at all of our campuses. So ready to forgive. So full of unfailing love. Say it like you mean it. Of unfailing love. For all. Not some. Not a few. But for all who ask for your help. Say it like you mean it. For your help. Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Jesus, be the center of your life. Come on, church family. Let's worship with everything you have. Come on, let's worship. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.